You're listening to Revive the World Ministries podcast. Thanks for listening. We hope this message encourages you to be all God created you to be so that you can impact the world around you with the love and power of God. For more information about us, you can visit our website at revivetheworld.us or visit us in person each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. and Wednesday at 6.30 p.m. We hope to connect with you soon. Good morning, everyone. I love Jesus. He's so good to me. So kind to me. And I just love him. Let me look at your beautiful faces. Good morning. So glad you're here today. Thanks, Linda. You guys are my people. I need some room up here. Get get to going. Um, I'm just so thankful that you guys continue to pursue Jesus with your whole hearts. That I get to be a part of serving a body like this that I get to serve you guys well, that I get to stand in front. It's such an honor to stand in front of you and to share my heart and to share Jesus with you in only the way that I can see him because I know him in a different way than you do, just like you know him in a different way than I do, and you can share a piece of Jesus that I wouldn't be able to see without you. So community is so very precious to me. And so I'm so grateful and so thankful for each of you for getting out of bed and driving across town and coming this morning to sit and hear me share my heart. Thank you for being here. I love you guys. (laughs) So this morning, I want to talk about identity. And this is what we have Uh, The foundation of this church has been built on the revelation of identity. And we spent a whole year just bathing in the revelation of identity. and, And then we moved on. But I felt like the Holy Spirit was saying, it's time to go back to the basics. It's time to go back to the basics. And so I'm excited this morning to see God share a new perspective of identity for those who, as soon as I said identity, thought to themselves, oh yeah, I know this one. I got this one down. You know, the more familiar we are with the Bible, the less teachable we can become. So I want to invite you this morning to get unfamiliar with identity so that God can show you a new perspective of who you are. All right, I just feel real like, real like weepy and, and close, and close this morning with him. You know what I'm saying? Just feel close. It's almost like this room is just like in the hug. We're in the hug this morning. Where else would you want to be? All right, I'm going to try to breeze through this because I got a lot of scriptures. So, 
I, I love my favorite book of the Bible is Genesis. I love it. There's so much goodness. There's juicy secrets and truths in there. If you want to know where you came from, you got to go back to your Genesis. If you want to know where you came from and who you are, go back to the start. Because we were made in the image of God, in the very likeness of God the Father, male and female. We are image bearer of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We get to carry the very image of God. And it was interesting um, in Genesis, it said the spirit of God hovered over the waters. And then he spoke things into existence. So he hovered over the waters. And at that time before man made mirrors, the only way we could see our reflection was in the water. And so he hovered over the waters and he looked at himself and was inspired out of love to create something from his heart because he is love. So he looked at love in the waters and he said, I will make something from this love. And he made male and female in the very likeness of himself, image bearers of love. And he created us to carry the very reflection of his heart. And that's what identity is. I think sometimes um, in this culture, we say things like, walk in your identity. Walk fully in your identity. And I think maybe some of us, I know there was, would have been a point in my life where if I heard that, I would only be able to assume what that meant. And that just meant like being a Christian. You know? So I want to clarify what I mean by identity. That. I mean identity when we talk about walking fully in your identity as a son and daughter of God when I'm talking about is being an image bearer of love himself and love has to what look like something so what does it look like so I want to kind of go detailed through what um, to me I believe represents identity so we can kind of have a clear understanding of that so God created man and female, and he, he created us in his very image. And then what happened? We know the story. They ate of the tree. They were deceived. They were deceived to believe the lie that they were lacking something and that they needed something that the world could offer them to make them like God. But they, in fact, they were already like God. They already carried the very image of God. And Satan and the world... His biggest fear is children of God knowing that they carry his image. So he thought, hmm, let me deceive them in such a way where they, and get them to believe that they don't look like God, that they don't carry his image, that they're not like him, that they are lacking something, that God is not the only one who can give them everything that they need, that this world has something that, that they can offer them or teach them that God cannot. So they partook of the fruit of the tree of good and evil because the serpent convinced them that they needed to know this evil to really see if they were good. And once they did that, they were ashamed, and in their sin they covered themselves. They covered the very image of God that they were already made like with the shame of sin, and they hid themselves. You know, in John, it talks about, behold, the light has come into the world. 
but the, but the people were lovers of the darkness. Because when you're in the light, you're exposed. And they were evildoers, and when they came into the light, it was exposed. And so they were lovers of darkness because the light exposed their sin. Adam and Eve hid themselves with that shame of sin. And God did what God always does because he is love and he, he went on the pursuit of man. And he looked through the garden. He already knew what they had done because he knows everything, right? He already knew that they had sinned, but he pursued them in their sin. And he went through the garden calling out, where are you? Where are you? And I, I just see a picture of God looking at Adam and Eve covering the very image of God. The purity, the holiness, the, just the purity that he made them in and covering it with their shame. And him looking in their eyes and saying, where are you? Where's the very image that I made you in? Why have you covered it? Who told you you were naked? Who told you you were lacking? Who told you you weren't like me? Who told you that I didn't already give you everything that you need? And you know, that's the same thing. God pursues us. He pursues us. He pursued mankind in their very sin by sending Jesus in our sin to die for us. While we were still sinners... Jesus, God sent his son Jesus to die for us, right? So he continues to show his heart. He's always been the same. It says, John three sixteen. you can probably quote it. For God so loved the world. It doesn't say, for God was so very disappointed in, in the world that he was on his wits end and sent his last resort to get them to get it together. <laughs> It also doesn't say, for God, out of his anger, sent his sacrifice to appease his anger. It said, for God so loved that he gave of himself his one and only, the most beautiful sacrifice that could ever be given. And he gave it for you and he gave it for me. Yet while they were still sinners. He pursued mankind in, in its sin. And he sent Jesus. <laughs> there will never be a greater outpouring. You will never be a part of a greater outpouring than the blood that was poured out at the cross. There will never be a better encounter or more powerful encounter than what happened at the cross. So we need to get excited about what Jesus did at the cross. I used to take communion and cry because I thought, wow, what a wretched person I am that Jesus would come and save me. Now I take communion and I get excited because it's good news. There's new wine for me because of the cross. The cross was the power for me to live righteousness. What Jesus did on the cross wasn't a sad story. He was marred beyond any man. He was the very image of God that he was made in was marred so that we could turn and walk in the image of God now. God turned his back on Jesus for a moment. For a moment, Jesus felt the pain and the rejection and the abandonment of God turning his back so that we would never have to experience what it's like for God to turn his back on us. Jesus redeemed that at the cross.
And that's the power of the cross that we get to walk in. But if we continue to live out of the cross was a sad story where Jesus died and I didn't deserve it. And so I'll continue to walk lowly and less than. Then what Jesus, you are not giving Jesus the reward that he paid for with his life. That's a false humility to live outside of. Identity is not, it's, it's, humility is not, I am less than. Humility is knowing your worth and still getting down and serving. Humility is serving from a place of, I know who I am, not serving to get to a place where I can be somebody. Identity is serving from love, not to get love. Identity, I'm getting annoyed about how I'm saying that, sorry. Identity. <laughs> Identity is, is the key. It is the key. So I want to talk about, I just want to clarify what identity means because... Because there's a couple of things that we need to, truths we need to grab onto. In order to walk in our identity, we have to know what it is. And there's these truths that mean nothing until we believe. The power of the cross never changed. It's been the same since the day that Jesus went to the cross. He was, it's been the same since the foundation of the world. And that'll blow your mind. Because it said he was, before the foundation of the world, the lamb was slain. What? Okay. We won't go there. The power of the cross never changed. Every time someone comes into the knowledge of Jesus and believes, put, believes on what Jesus did, all of a sudden something happens and the power of the cross has access to our lives. So Jesus didn't have to go up on the cross and die again. And then the power released, it was already there, right? And so it's when we believe, we put our faith in it, and then we allow it access to our lives. Because something happened in the Garden of Eden. God gave us a choice to choose him. Because there is no love without choice. Okay? And even on this side of heaven, even on this side of the cross, with us being a dwelling place of the Holy Spirit, okay, as it says in Ephesians, a dwelling place of the Holy Spirit, we have choice in it. We have choice. And we believe on the cross. And then immediately we give God access. We have to choose to give him access. We have to choose to give the power access to our lives by what we believe. Okay? There's choice in it. He doesn't remove our free will. Now, when we get that, and all of a sudden, boom, there's oneness, there's unity. Holy Spirit is in me. I feel light. I feel so free. I've never been this, you know, excited about life before. We get those feelings, but then later on, it wears off. This is why. God is inside of us. Nothing has changed. The power has not changed, but it's our choice to transform our minds. That is our choice in it. Romans 5, 8, but God demonstrates his love to us. Um, wrong thing. Hold on. Where'd my scritch go? Yeah, I forget what I was saying. Sorry. Um, what's the 
the last thing I just said? Well, that was the wrong scripture verse. What did I say before that? <laughs> I was bringing up a verse, and I'm trying to remember it from memory because I thought I had it here, but now I forget what verse I was trying to say. You know, we all human up here. <laughs> what? I don't know. I had a scripture verse to back up what I said. Just know that. <laughs> know that. <clears throat> okay, so we're going to start talking about um, what's in identity. The first thing, identity, if you're taking notes, I am loved by God and fully accepted just as I am. That's like the number one. We need to grab onto that truth. That truth, we, put, we believe in it. We allow it access to our lives so that it can take root in our hearts, and then it produces fruit in our lives. So if we just say these things as a mantra, but we don't believe on them as our truth and allow it to take root, there will be no fruit produced. It's pretty simple. And the cool thing about love is when we allow love, I am so loved. That's like the number one thing and, and, uh, for us to get a hold of our identity. It's so very powerful and people are afraid of it because if you just preach, I am loved by God and fully accepted just as I am, then it's like you give people a justification to live however they want. Well, listen, Jesus, love doesn't control. Love just loves because love is love. And we preach the opposite of what the truth of the word says. He loves with no conditions. Am I wrong? That's what he does. And I actually see it differently. When I know that I'm loved, regardless of what I do, I stop working for love and I start working from love. I stop working to get something and I realize I'm already inside of the love of God. And now everything that I do, the motive of my heart switches from getting something or needing to do something to, I'm doing this out of love because I'm in love. I'm in love. I'm motivated by love. He loves me just as I am, and he would have died for me just as I am, and, and I'm so thankful, and I will re respond to that love. And that's what Jesus did on the cross for us. Titus 3, 4, 5. Um, Titus 3, 4 through 5. But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of righteous things we've done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 13, 7 through 10. Now, I found this amazing translation for the love chapter in Corinthians. It's the Philip's New Testament. Love knows no limit to its endurance, no end to its trust, no fading of its hope. It can outlast anything. It is, in fact, the one thing that still stands when all else has fallen. Woo! Yes, Jesus! Romans 8, this is my favorite Bible verse, Romans 8, 37 through 39 in the NIV. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate me from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. 
Thank you, God. Number two, to, to um, see identity, living it out fully. Number two, I believe, is the truth that I am a child of God. We have to know that we've been adopted in as sons and daughters of God, that he loves us with a fatherly type of love that we've never experienced in this world because he's the perfect example of love. We could never outlove him. We can never outgive him. He is the perfect representation of love. He does not love like your father loved you. He is the perfect representation of love, the kind of God who would give of himself even when you didn't choose him in the middle of your disobedience, in the middle of your back being turned on him. He pursues you. That's what kind of love a father has. We are his children. And to walk fully in your identity, you have to grab onto that truth that I am a child of God. And so his heart is for me and he is good. He's working everything out for what? You're good. First John 3, 1. See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that, and that is what we are. Romans eight fourteen. For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are sons and daughters of God. Galatians 3.26, for you are all sons and daughters of God through faith in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. When we know this, then we know that in Romans 8.19, when it talks about, for all creation waits in eager expectation for the sons of daughters to be revealed, they're talking about us. And we have responsibility we have responsibility to let the, be an image bearer of the love of God. We have a responsibility to be that in the earth. And then number three, um, that I believe is important for us knowing identity is through the power of the cross, I have a new nature. I'm not, I am a new creation with that righteousness and power to walk it out. With that comes righteousness and power to walk out. So through the power of the cross, I'm a new creation. I have a new nature. And what comes with that is righteousness and power to walk it out. Because a lot of us will agree that we believe the Bible gave us, we we were made new creation, but we don't exactly have the faith that we have the power to walk it out. Well, let me tell you today that the cross is powerful enough there's more power to the cross than that. I remember, and this is probably one of the most sticky subjects within the body of Christ in different um, denominations, talking about the finished works of the cross. He did it all with the cross. That was all there, there needed to be done. And now we're new creations. We, he didn't just make us new and then just leave us to get it all old again to get it all worn out again. He made us new and gave us the power through the cross through his son Jesus to walk it out and live out righteousness. That's what the power of the cross was for. Yes, we get the hope of heaven. How amazing is that? When Nikki was up here talking, she did such a beautiful job when she spoke. She talked about Callie and she talked about her daughter, Olive, Callie is a worship leader in Bethel, and um, they prayed for resurrection for their daughter for five days. 
And, and they are pretty, they're on a platform where a lot of people saw them. They did it because they believe the word of God is true. <laughs> and people really gave them a lot of frack. They did it in the midst of people judging them and churches condemning them. And, and I am so thankful that they did that. I'm so thankful that um, there are people in the faith who are that brave. Because I wouldn't have faith like that, but now I will. And I believe that that little girl, Olive's life, left a legacy of faith. Because none of, all of that praying was not for nothing. Callie and her husband did something. There's an awakening of faith happening in the body of Christ. And hard questions were brought up, even in me. But those hard questions lead us into intimacy with the Father when we grieve towards his face. And so even though hard questions were brought up that we didn't understand, it led us into intimacy with the Father. That little girl's life left a legacy of faith, and it's going to tell the next person, I can be brave too. I can be brave too, and even if he doesn't heal, I'm still going to worship. But guess what? What Nikki didn't touch on that I wanted to make sure to say. They have the hope to see her in heaven again. They have the hope of heaven. And that baby girl is in the presence of Jesus. What other, what other ending would you want? She's in the presence of the almighty God. Where there is no hopelessness and no fear and no pain and no sorrow. She has a smile on her face. And that, their, their parents have the hope to see their baby again. Because they believe what Jesus did was true. I hope that you have that hope this morning. I know that I, when I die, there is a heaven and there is a hell. And we get to choose Jesus because of what he did on the cross. We choose to be with him. And I'm going to see my babies that are in heaven when I go. And I'm going to see my lost loved ones that we've lost. And I'm going to see the people that we've prayed for to be healed that we've lost. And we have the hope of heaven because of what Jesus did on the cross. And so there is always hope even when we don't see what we want. But we will always go after the truth of what the word says and we will not be afraid. We will be brave or we will never see breakthrough. It's in the times where we have to persevere when it's hard. It's in the time that it brings hope. If we want more hope in our lives, it says perseverance brings hope. How do I have more hope in my life? Keep pressing on when you want to stop. Keep pressing in for all that Jesus paid for, even when you don't see the results that you were hoping for. And it will bring hope to your life. We have to remember to do all of those hard questions towards the face of Jesus. We have a new nature. We are new creations. In Ephesians 4, 17, it says, I tell you this. And insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do, in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed." That, however, is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. 
You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Put off our new selves, put on our new nature. That's what happened with the cross. That's the before and after picture. And I believe that, and it's all through Romans, and I don't have time. I love six, seven, and eight. I love it all, even the sticky hard parts. The part where Paul starts talking about the things that I want to do, I don't do. And the things that I don't want to do, I find myself doing. And there's this war inside of me. What a wretched man I am. Okay, and it, when you, you can see the tone of Paul's voice all throughout the book of Romans. He likes to ask these questions that are him being super sarcastic and he doesn't believe those things and then gives an answer and a rebuttal to it. He likes to say, shouldn't we keep on sinning so that grace should abound all the more? Certainly not. So he says all of that hard stuff and he says, I do this and there's a war raging within me. What a wretched man I am. If only someone could save me from this wickedness. And then he said, praise be to God, the one who delivers me. Yeah. Ha ha. For, for we now have, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. And it's all in Romans and, and eat it all up. It's beautiful. And it talks about how we have a new nature. Um, in Ezekiel, it talks about how um, we were been given a new heart of flesh. He took our old heart of stone and he's given us a new heart of flesh. And we take that term flesh and we see it as the sinful thing. But in this instance, it's a completely different word. And it's talking about moldable. It's talking about soft to the Lord. He's given us a new heart with new desires. So guess what? All those old desires are gone. But we don't give our new heart access to manifest fruit in our lives until we believe that it's so. So the reason why we don't see, we say, oh, the cross was powerful. I know there had to be more to the cross. I remember sitting with one of my friends and this very moment where the Holy Spirit was just burning in my heart and I couldn't find it in Romans yet. I didn't know where to go because I wasn't taught about that I had power over sin. And I remember sitting on the couch and feeling God's presence and just saying over and over again, the cross had to be more powerful than what I'm living in. There had to be more to what Jesus did for me. You know, my life needs to look like something else. Instead of this back and forth, Jesus just cleaning up my mess. The cross was more than just a mop to clean up my messes. There had to be power in it. In Romans, I was like, yes, here it is. I do have power over sin. It's because the spirit of the living God lives in me. The same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead dwells in me. But we have to choose to transform our minds. That's the key. The transformation of the mind is the key. That's our choice in it. If we choose to live out of our old mindset, even though we have a new mindset, that's on us. If we choose to drive our old crappy car when we have a brand new one, and then we keep saying, why do I keep breaking down on the side of the road? 
Dang. Did that mechanic know what he was doing? He'd be like, well, the, the car is yours. It's new. It engine runs. You just got to choose to get in it and get out of the other one. And, you know, go down this road where all the bumps aren't at in this new car. Gonna have to take a new road. Can't be going down the same road that was okay to go in your old car, your old hoopty. You could go mudding in your old hoopty. You could go, you, you know what I'm saying? You could go through back alleyways and country roads in your old hoopty, but in your new car, you gotta choose to get out of the old one. I know you're used to those old back roads. Get out of the old one, get in the new one, go on a paved road that I've paved for you. So we have this new heart in here. And I want to feel it beat. I want to feel it pumping righteousness through my veins. I believe that I have a new heart that hears from the Lord with holy desires. Woo! That desires righteousness. Hallelujah. But it all starts with the transformation of our mind. Romans 12, 2. This is the verse that I was trying to find earlier. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Let's pay attention to that part. You may test and approve what God's will is, and now he's telling you what his will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. His will is good for you. If you're in pain and you think you're in God's will, that's not what the Bible says. Time to get in a new car. You know what I'm, I don't have to go into that. You know what I'm saying. If you're in something and you believe it's God's will, but it's not bringing you hope, it's not bringing you goodness and kindness from God, probably not in the will of God. And we have a choice in this. There is hope. We are not left powerless. He has given us a way out every time. Woo! It's the transformation of our mind. So how do we do this? Woo! This is, I just live for this because I've seen that it is true. I've seen that it is true. I'm telling you the truth and I'm not trying to just like Paul talks about in Romans. I'm not trying to boast in what I can do or what I have done. But the power of God that is in me has transformed my life. I have not dealt with sin issues for over five years. I have not turned and went towards something as far as blatant sin for like five, six, seven years. Because of this right here, I'm telling you, this is the truth and the power of God that is in you. But we have to choose to give it access to our life. We have to choose that. And it doesn't feel good at first because we're used to the way the car feels and the bumpiness of the roads that we've been familiar with. And without the chaos, all of a sudden, it's a little too peaceful and things start coming up that I didn't have to deal with before in the chaos. 
Don't think that when God brings peace into your life that you're not going to have stuff that you have to face. When the peace comes to the chaos of the waves, all of that trash starts coming up that's been left behind. It doesn't mean that God's calling you out and putting you in shame again. It's, it's, he's saying, my peace is here, honey. Let's deal with all this junk that you couldn't see before. I've given you the peace of the waves. Now you can easily pick out the things that don't, you were never created to live in. So with this identity, we, there are some fruit that you see in people's lives who are walking in their identity. I'm going to cover this fast. There's some fruit that you see, but I don't want you to hear these things and think, oh man, I just, if I'm walking in my identity, all of a sudden one day, I'm just going to see all this stuff in my life. And then I'm like, oh, I'm in my identity. Look at me. What really these, the fruit that manifests from these truths of identity, taking root and bearing fruit, it's like this fruit continues to reproduce new trees. It's like these seed-bearing fruits are dropping seed and it's continuing to just grow. And on the inside of us, there's this healthy garden of love that's rooted deep. And you know what love does when we allow it to go deep? It, it uproots all the fear. And we're able to see life and we're able to see without the lens of fear anymore. And I'm not saying you don't have to choose to walk through that side of the garden. You do. And I'm not saying you won't feel the feelings of fear. You will. But I'm saying when love is rooted down deep, you get on the other side and realize you would have never made it if you wouldn't have chose love. You would still be on that other side weighing deep in fear. So some of the fruits you'll see is hope. You'll see hope in people's lives who are walking in identity. Crazy hope. Crazy hope that will cause you to pray for your dead child for five days. Because you have hope that Jesus is who he says he is. You have hope that God's going to break through even when you don't see the results you want. You have hope. But I want to tell you this. If what you're hoping for isn't producing hope in every area of your life, if what you are longing for and hoping for, and you look around at everything else, it's hopeless and you're in a mess, maybe the thing that you're hoping for isn't from God. Maybe you're not hoping for something that's for your good. Because what is his perfect will for us? His good and perfect will. To hope for what's good for you. I like to tell my people who come to me for, to hang out and are asking me to share my heart with them. You need to be a good friend to yourself. Ask yourself hard questions. You know, you need to be the kind of friend that you are to your little sister when she's in a mess. And you tell her, why do you keep choosing things that aren't good for you? I see a pattern here. Why do you think that is? 
Sometimes we need to look in the mirror and say, why do you keep choosing things that aren't good for you? What's this pattern? Where's it coming from? There's a lie somewhere that I'm believing that I'm not worth more than this. There's a lie somewhere that the believing I can't do better than this. Where is it at? Let's go for it and get rid of it. That's the, and when you do that towards God, when you ask hard questions towards God, he'll, call, he'll bring the peace. It doesn't mean things won't come up. That's exactly what the peace is for. There's a constant growing. There's a constant stretching in our identity. There's never a moment where you're just like, I, I'm just good right here, and this spot right here is warm in the lazy river. I'm going to stay right here and stop the flow of the water. Just keep me right here. It's a constant flow going. You're moving towards something, and that's walking in your identity. So the first one, hope. Oh, there's some good stuff in here, but I'm just going to go by it. Let me just say this. In Romans 4.18, this is beautiful. 4.18.22, we know the story of Abraham. Who this is good. Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed. And so became the father of many nations. Woo! Just as he has been told, so shall your offspring be. Yes, God. Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed. I want that to be my life song. Against all hope, Sarah in hope believed, persevered, pressed on, went for the prize. Yes, that's going to be my life. And then it says, without weakening, without weakening in his faith, he acknowledged, okay, we're not living in delusion. He acknowledged the decrepitness of his body since he was about 100 years old, in the lifelessness of Sarah's room, womb, room, womb. Yet, he did not waver through disbelief in the promise of God. Yet, he did not waver through disbelief in the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God. Yet, he did not waver. Woo! Wow. Against all hope. Hope anyways. When you can hope anyways, you know that your hope is not tied to circumstances of life or the judgments of other people. It's tied to the one Jesus. Hallelujah. Even youth, even the youth grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. Woo! They will soar on wiggles. The wiggles. They will soar on wings like like wiggles. They soar on wings like wiggles. <laughs> they will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Isaiah forty thirty. Man, the questions that I've asked Jesus in in the sincerity of my heart, but in my big old pity party, God. Where's my hope? I need a better hope level. Where's my strength? I need strength. Jesus, give me strength. And it says right here, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. If you want strength from the Lord, hope even when the hope's against you. 
The kingdom of God is upside down. We think that we're, we're in a mess, God's absent from us. But when we're in a mess, God's present with us. And he's saying, I am going to bring you out of this. But you, if we want strength, you already have to have hope that you've got strength. That's why the transformation of our minds, we have to get these truths in us and train our brains to process life through the truth of the word. All right, I move on. Get some other good stuff, just so you know. All right, and we know. So we have hope. The fruit of walking in our identity is hope, joy, and peace. We know all of those things. There's beautiful verses about it all through the Bible. Go and read your Bible. It's a beautiful love story to you. But like it said in Romans, we have to transform our minds. The transformation. If you don't want to be like the world, transform your mind. We have choice in this. We can do this. Okay, let's get into it. I believe that the thankful the worship through thankfulness transforms our minds. It changes the structure of our brains. It changes the way that we perceive and view life. It changes the way that we filter a conversation right now, a movie that we see, news on the TV. We have to decide how we will perceive the world around us. Will it be through the truth of the word or will it be from how the world says you should see it? And there's choice in it. And there's work involved. But the outcome is righteousness and holiness and pleasing the Lord and being a son and daughter of God, walking in our identity, giving Jesus back the reward that he paid for at the cross. The, the, what's produced is joy and hope and peace. All of the things that we want, all of the things that we long for. I don't think one person in here would say, well, I don't really know if I want joy in my life. That's probably taking it too far. You know, I think I could probably, you know, go a couple more years without any hope. That's, you know, I'm not really looking for that. And the whole peace thing, I mean, who really has peace? Listen, I want all those things in my life. But in order to produce fruit, you got to do some digging in the garden. You got to go plant and you got to get a little sweaty. Got to get out in the sun, get a little bit of sunburn. There's work involved. So I want to tell you something. I'm trying to tell it to you quick. This is so beautiful. You guys with me? Am I driving you crazy? Okay. There has something that has happened, and even when I explain it, I know that it's just not going to be as good until you experience it yourself. And all my ladies in here who are on the retreat know I've been talking about thankfulness because it's so good. Whew. So I started to see this correlation. I've been on this journey for about five years of what does this mean to transform your mind? And I've been growing and I've been seeing the power of Christ at work inside of my heart and it producing all kinds of fruit that I never thought was possible. And I was seeing the, pow- the true power of the cross represented inside of me in my life. And it's so beautiful. I'm so thankful for what he did for me. Um, and so I started to get into my business where I'm a wedding photographer and there, and I started to experience 
these feelings of anxiety. And so I was like, well, I've transformed my mind. I know that I'm a daughter of God. I know that I have power over this. This isn't, this isn't for me. This isn't God's will for my life to live in the feelings of anxiety. And, the, and so uh, there's got to be the answer in the word. And I started seeing this correlation between all of the verses, all of Paul's letters. He brings it up once or twice or five times. And it's, it's a correlation between if you have fear and anxiety, the next verse would be the how-to to get rid of it, how to be free of it. And it all led back to praise and thanksgiving to the Lord. It all led back to that. And, you know, there can be this religious thing where we can see the Bible as this spiritual mystical thing. And then, like, science stuff is separated from it. But it's so beautiful to see science and, and the word of God coming together. And that actually the, the Bible is not just a spiritual thing that you just, just have to have faith for. it. It's actual practical living. It's actual practical mind, body, soul, health. And when we want to know how do we, how do we keep ourselves healthy... We go back to the word and it says, feast on the goodness of God. Feast on whatever is good, whatever is pure, whatever is noble. We go back and and we feast on these positive things and it all has to do with how we think. And I saw this correlation between thankfulness and, and anxiety and fear. And I realized that thankfulness and praise is a beautiful tool for us to transform our minds and to see fruit comes like quickly. I'm going to read this to you. First Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you. So his good and perfect will for your life is to rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. It's not just because he likes to hear his name sung in a song. He's giving us practical ways to stay healthy in our minds. This is my will for you, my good will. You want to have peace? You want to have hope? You want to see fruit? Do these things. Okay, this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Skip down to 23. May the God of peace sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. Let's back up. What is he talking about? That your whole spirit, whole soul, whole body be kept blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. So he's coming back looking for a spotless bride. How will we be the bride that Jesus is looking for if we don't believe that the cross was powerful enough for us to walk in righteousness? What was the cross for? It gave us the bride of Christ, everything we needed to be the bride, fully ready for Jesus. He's coming back for a fully ready bride. And it says, kept blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus. And he is faithful and he will do it. 
And this is all the outcome of the very first verse. Rejoice always, pray continuously, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you. His very will for our lives is to keep us healthy and whole, mind, body, spirit. And there's so many, oh, in Timothy and Chronicles, there's so many beautiful, look up verses on thankfulness and you'll see the correlation of, you know, be anxious for nothing but in everything. Give praise and everything. Give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. He satisfies the thirsty and fills the hungry with good things. It's, there's so, so many beautiful things. But I want, I want you to grab a hold of this. I was coming up on the end of my work year. And being a wedding photographer can be very stressful if I allow myself to... to to be really worried about what people think and allow myself to get busy. And the Lord told me, your blessings will become burdens to you if you don't prepare in thankfulness. Your call become a burden to you if you don't prepare in thankfulness. Preparation looks like being thankful in worship. Looks like being thankful in worshiping me. So if you feel like the things that God has called you to has become a burden, you should probably look back on how thankful you've been for what you've been given. So what I started doing was, you know, I had my little voice that I thought was my motivating voice for me to get things done. And it would be like, you got five deadlines. You're going to sit down right now and you need to do this. And last time you didn't get it done on time, they were so mad and blah, 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 blah. It's like this little voice that I thought was my motivator to get things done. And I would hear it and I would sit down and feel the feeling of anxiety. And then I had to go to, and then I, um, then I was on schedule to speak at the women's retreat that week. So this week, had those deadlines. I had to sleep for three hours, get up, and get ready to go to the women's retreat across about an hour and a half away to speak three times. And I, and I was working all the way up until that three hours that I slept to get these deadlines done. But something that I decided to do was practice thankfulness. And so leading up to that week, every single time I would have a negative thought or I would have, um, or I would feel fear or anxiety, I would stop and I would find something to be thankful in that. Because it hurt, it, it kind of like pulled my heart towards God in that, in that I haven't been thankful for what you've given me. And I'm so thankful that you've blessed me with this business because I need the money. I'm so thankful that you've blessed me with the privilege to be able to speak at this women's retreat. It's not a burden. This is a privilege and an honor. And you know, and that's what I started doing. Finding things, not just saying a mantra of things I don't really mean or believe. I'm thankful that I'm upset right now. I'm thankful that I'm mad. You know what I mean? Just saying stuff. I'm thankful that everything's going to work out great. You know what I mean? Finding something that you're, man, God has prepared me for this. God has given this to me, and I'm thankful that he did. You know, when, not to go too far into it, but if you think uh, with your brain, there's all of these little neurons in your brain. 
and they begin to connect with each other through memory. And the only way you can store memories that are really easy accessible is by feeling a really strong emotion. And so the times that we felt happiness, we have all of these almost like tree roots that have been bound together, little neurons that light up. When you feel the feelings of happiness, those little neurons light up. And all the different times you've felt that same feeling, those memories will be really easy to access. So if you can think of it about like walking down a hallway in your mind, and there's all of these little computers... And what's on the screen in this hallway is all the times you felt fear. And so when you feel the feelings of fear, that hallway is pretty bright. So you're going to walk down that hallway and see all of the memories going on the screens of the last time you were afraid. And that's why when you have feelings of anxiety and fear, it can easily go into a panic attack and stuff like that because you've learned to go down this hallway that's most brightly lit. And that's how our brains kind of work in a paraphrased way. And so as we, we associate feelings with memories, and you know, we were never supposed to use the negative side of our brain. We were supposed to use the positive side of our brain. And the negative side of our brain is to warn us that something's gone wrong in our thinking. And they used to believe that you couldn't restructure your brain, that it couldn't change. The way that your brain was made at birth, you couldn't change it. But scientists over time have realized through people losing their sight later on in life, um, having to learn Braille, that the side of their brain, the physical side where they have to use their hands obviously more, starts to change and reform because they're using it more. So they realize we can, we have power over the structure of our brain. And they realize the way that you control it is through your mind, how you think. So we control how our brain works. What happens is when we start to use that negative part of our brain, our body will start yelling out to us to tell us that we're not using it properly. And you can get that through aches and pains and migraines. You can get that through all kinds of untraceable um, chronic pain that people have. It's our bodies telling, because what happens is negative thinking acts like a cancer in our body. And that negative thinking, our body's telling us, this is not how you're supposed to work. Man, my shoulder's hurting today. This is in your body saying, because you're, you're, there's no hope. And it used to be they just thought people didn't have those right chemicals to give you the feelings of joy and those endorphins to make you feel at peace and calm. But we actually control the amount of chemicals our brain will release by if we're thinking positive or negative. Boom, that's a lot of information. I say all that to say, the more that we go down the pathway of fear, it's going to be the brightest hallway that we have. And so what happens is the other parts of our brain, joy and peace and hope that we have, memories connected to it, we stop using it so much that it stops working. It just has those flickering lights and nobody wants to get a headache walking down that hallway. So every time we hear a conversation, we filter it through the hallway of fear. We filter it through where every, what where is something going to go wrong in this? Because the last time I... The last time, the last time, this is where something went wrong. I can't trust anybody because the last time, you know, and anything, even positive stuff gets filtered through that negative hallway. So this is what Thanksgiving does. 
I found that I was actually reassociating my feelings of even anxiety to respond in thankfulness. And so now even the feeling of anxiety, I immediately respond in thankfulness. And at first it was hard work and it didn't feel good. And it was through the, that feeling and that, uh, and that voice, get it done, get it done. And I would say, thank you, God, for this business and this client. Thank you, God. Thank you. And then one day I had that deadline and I sat down at the computer And inside of me, without even trying, just as simple as you don't have to try to be nagged in your mind, that naggy voice, I sat down and the voice was like, this is going to be the best body of work you've ever done and your clients are going to be so pleased. Wow, I don't know why before this was so hard because it's so easy. This time's going so quickly. I'm being so creative right now. This is fun. (laughs) And so then I had three hours of sleep. And when my husband came in from taking our son to school, he said, Sarah, you got to get up and go get ready to go to the women's retreat. And as I woke up, it was as if there was a radio playing on the inside of me, a song of praise to the Lord without even trying. I almost just started crying when I woke up because when you... Because I knew all of a sudden everything hit me at once. That voice, I was trying to teach the voice of anxiety to behave better. And I didn't realize that it wasn't my voice. So I was claiming the voice of anxiety and saying, this is what motivates me to get done. This is how I do things. As my own, when God was showing me, that wasn't even your voice. And because you stopped going down those hallways, you stopped in front of the hallway and said, wait, hold on, we're not going down. We're going to thank God. And we cut off the lights to that hallway. And so the voice that used to echo down that hallway was removed because it wasn't mine. And I said, no, I'm not going to listen to the voice of anxiety. And I had a new one and it was really mine. And, And I was like, wow, this is what I sound like. This is who I am. This is the peace of God. This is the peace of God, and this is what he sounds like. And I don't, I don't even know how better to describe it, but that it has changed my whole life. I'm able to live in peace, and thankfulness comes naturally. Because now I filter life through thankfulness without having to try, just like I didn't have to try to be afraid. I filter everything through thankfulness. And I want that revelation to get out to the church so that we can walk in our identity and be powerful and see the fruit of it manifest in our lives. Will you stand with me this morning? I believe that thankfulness is the key to transforming our mind so that we can get out of our rut of being afraid and being stuck and being broken And we can live from a place where everything is centered around hope and peace. And we we are not on our own. And we can actually hear the voice of our beloved singing out to us. It's going to be okay. This is going to be easy. This is what I've called you to. This is what I've made you for. 
prepare in thankfulness, my beloved, because I've called you to this, and this is what you're made for. This month, you're going to show the world what you're made of, because you're going to choose hope even when hope is against you. You're going to choose peace even when fear is against you. This is what, when you show the world what you're made of, and you prove that I am real to the world because you choose to respond differently to the circumstances of life than the world does. And the world begins to see, how do you have hope when hope's been against you? How do you keep praying? How do you keep loving? How do you keep giving? How do you keep loving with arms wide open? How do you keep hoping? And it's because of Jesus because of Jesus. I'm going to pray for you, Jesus. I thank you right now. Oh, sweet teacher, Holy Spirit, we just thank you, God. We thank you because you're good, Jesus. We thank you because you're good and you're kind. God, thank you for all that you've blessed us with. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for being a du- for allowing me to be a dwelling place of your spirit for taking up residence inside of me thank you that each one in this room have everything they need to be victorious everything they need to walk out righteousness everything that they need thank you god God, I just thank you right now for calming the storms of chaos in people's hearts. In the inner world of every heart, in the, in the minds of each person in this room, God, calm the waters of chaos. I release the peace and the shalom of Jesus right now. And God, I thank you for bringing peace in the storm. Thank you for everything that's coming to the surface that you've equipped us to face head on with you. Thank you, God, that we're capable of facing each thing head on with you. Jesus, I just ask that right now you would begin to reveal the voice of anxiety. Each one who has been hearing the voice of anxiety and claiming it as their own God, I thank you right now for highlighting that to each one, Jesus. And God, we just give you that. We just let go of that. We let go of that control. We let go. We let go. And we give it to you, God. All the anxiety, all the fear. We let it go, Jesus. We give it to you. And I thank you, God of peace. Shalom. Come and rest on each mind right now in Jesus' name. Thank you that the power of the blood that was poured out at the cross still has power today.
thank you for covering, that you've covered each mind in your blood. Completely washing it clean, white as snow. An author of peace. We welcome our new voice of peace to speak to us. We welcome you. We welcome you, Shalom. We welcome the voice of peace. We welcome you. We welcome you, God. I want to end by just as corporately just singing a song of thankfulness together. So we worship him. Hallelujah. Will you pray, um, I'm so thankful. It's just D and G. I'm so thankful. I'm so grateful. I'm so thankful. I'm so grateful for you. I'm so thankful. I'm so grateful. I'm so thankful. I'm so grateful for you. I'm so thankful. I'm so grateful. I'm so thankful. I'm so grateful for you. I'm so grateful for you. If you feel like you want to come to the front, you can as we keep singing this. I'm so grateful. I'm so thankful. I'm so grateful. I'm so thankful for you. I'm so grateful. I'm so thankful. I'm so grateful. I'm so thankful for you. I'm so grateful. I'm so thankful. I'm so grateful. I'm so thankful for you. I'm so grateful. I'm so thankful. I'm so grateful. I'm so thankful for you. 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 Come up baptized. You give me new life. Give me new life. When the water tried to drown me, I came up baptized. You give me new life. Give me new life. When the water tried to drown me, I came up baptized. 
want to come forward if you need further prayer today if you want someone to agree with you in prayer we have beautiful people here who love you and and want to partner with God's will for your life his perfect will for your life for your good if you want to continue to worship the Lord feel free to come and sit at the altar if you need to go we love you and we'll see you next week. Go in the peace of God. We love you. Have a great Sunday. Thanks for listening to Revive the World Ministries podcast. Join us each week for another message and listen to past messages by visiting us online at revivetheworld.us.